Welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth, so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Tim Krams. Tim is a 24-year veteran of the U.S. Army and is currently retired as a defense contractor. He started investing in 2005 with the purchase of a single-family home, and over the last 16 years has scaled to 11 single-family properties, all located in the state of Alabama. In 2021, he entered into the commercial multifamily space as a joint venture of a 16-unit deal in Tennessee. Tim has the goal of scaling to 100 plus doors in 2022 and creating over $2,500 a month in passive income. Wealth Science, more than just an investor, father, and husband, I bring you my friend, Tim Krantz. Welcome to the show, brother. What's going on? Thanks, Jesse. No, this is great. Great opportunity to be on the show and uh, you know, bring value where I can. I'm happy to help people. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to have you on. And like I said, uh, you know, we were talking about this before we got started. I think your story specifically is such a relatable, awesome story that I think is going to connect with so many people out there that have been in a similar position as you over these past couple of years. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for you to share, you know, your thoughts on it, your recommendations and what you've kind of gone through over the last few years. You know, for the people who don't know you, Tim, if you could take just a couple of minutes and kind of give us your background and introduce yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jesse. Um, yeah. Like, uh, like you said, I retired out of the military after 24 years of, uh, service in the army started in the nineties, actually enlisted, uh, working as a, a generator mechanic, actually 52 Delta. People can remember that back in the day, power generation equipment repair. And in the reserves, uh, I was assigned to transportation companies in Wisconsin, where I'm originally from. And then also in Minnesota, uh, while I was serving, uh, I saw some potential to, you know, do a little bit more in the military while I was going to college. And I was referred to going to ROTC. And so I checked it out and went back to uh, Wisconsin and in pursuit of my mechanical engineering degree and got hooked up with ROTC at Marquette University. Uh, it, was, it was a unique opportunity to, to transfer from what, what I was originally studying up in Minnesota with youth ministry and music. And uh, I jumped into what I was more passionate about with engineering, math and science. Like I more in high school. So in pursuit of that mechanical engineering degree, uh, went to at Milwaukee School of Engineering, worked in uh, ROTC at Marquette. And Marquette, you know, it's a Catholic school, Jesuit school, and really in the heart, heart of downtown Milwaukee, real close to Milwaukee School of Engineering. But you know, through that, that time of, of, of pursuing my degree, I saw the potential and not, not only excel in the, in the uh, civilian world, but also in the military. Um, I didn't want to go active duty, but I was under a, a partial scholarship at that time and uh, had obligations to go active duty and, and reluctantly actually did so because I was going to earn half as much pay as I would as an engineer back in 2000. So um, went in and then it started flight school in 2001, January at Fort Rucker, Alabama. And, you know, 
when I was in flight school, 9-11 hit. Of course, that's when, you know, my career excelled, you know, the FAA hurt across the U.S., but, you know, in, in the aviation world, in the military, it, it, you know, it soared, right? So we got deployed, you know, I'll speed up the process for a military career, but but basically had another, what I thought was going to be six years in aviation, turned out to be 20 years in as an aviation officer for, you know, for the first half as a company grade officer, 10 years, about nine years. And then as a field grade, finished off as a uh, foreign area officer um, after a couple of tours in Iraq as an aviator. So, you know, got to travel the world, got to see a lot. Um, but through that process, I saw, you know, always had this inkling to be an entrepreneur, right? So I loved working for the government. I loved working for the DOD. I loved, you know, being able to deploy and, and fly aircraft and troubleshoot and really wanted to be an experimental test pilot, actually. Um, and after my second tour in Iraq, I had some medical issues that prevented me from flying again, at least temporarily. So that's what propelled me to go into become a foreign area officer. Um, but through that process, I will tell you, I, I, I didn't really have an opportunity to invest in real estate while I was abroad. I just didn't focus on it that much. So when we did come back, right, to the United States, I was like, Lenka, my wife, I was like, we, we have got to invest in real estate. We've got to buy something. So when I came back from the Cash Group course in 2005, that's, you know, you mentioned that I got my first real estate property in Alabama when I did. Um, we just bought that house. We lived in it for a year. Then we rented it out. Um, and we stuck with that, Jesse, for uh, another, what, 10 years before I came back to the States and settled in California, uh, doing my first gig as a, a foreign area officer for an agency. And, and, you know, we bought in California and then we lived in that for a few years, moved up here to Washington. And, uh, you know, it, it, we rented that house in California out. But when I was planning to, you know, get out and do, I was what I thought was going to be 20 years and 20 minutes. We ended up being a little bit longer than that in the military. You know, we decided, you know, let's just offload our properties and, and kind of just glide into retirement, not knowing what I was going to get into. Well, through the transition process, was able to uh, land a job at a defense uh, agency or I would say an aerospace company here in the Seattle area. Um, and, you know, through amidst COVID in 2020, was able to retire and land that job. So I'm still in that position now, really enjoy working uh, as a, in the defense contracting uh, world. But uh, I will say the inkling to be an entrepreneur is still there. And that's what I, I really truly aspire to do in the future. Um, so give me not more than three years, I'll probably be full entrepreneurship uh, and um, you know, helping others to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this story here, I, it crisscrosses so many different sectors. It started in, in one area and then it, it went to another. And just, I love that idea. You've always had like that burning, whatever you want to call it, the burning cessation or whatever, where it's like, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur and, and to do this. And um, I, I was really interested. I didn't know you were in flight school when 9-11 hit. And that is yeah. just incredible. And I love talking about Obviously, there's a lot of military guys that come on here, and I love talking like the why of, you know, what made you join the military? You know, I'm curious. I didn't even expect to ask this question, but I didn't know that I didn't know that uh, you were there at that exact day. I mean, what was it like waking up on that day in flight school knowing that, I mean, your life was about to change forever? I mean, you and your classmates, literally, your lives were about to change. Oh, yeah. It was uh, literally, I want to say flight school pretty much halted when that when that happened. Uh, the, 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 everybody was turned on to the screens and, you know, uh, like we stopped training and we just looked at what was going on on the tube and, um, everybody was just glued to it. Hey, now what's next? You know, what are we going to do? Is everybody going to get called up and 
get deployed. And, you know, we were just in a state of flux. You know, my wife freaked out and came out from <laughs> Dalton, Alabama, quit her job where she was at for the day. And, you know, are you okay? Everything is good. Because everybody was concerned. You know, we didn't know what to expect. Lock the, 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 the uh, base shut down. We like lines to get in. Everything was on tech security for a while. So, um, yeah, it was it was quite strange. And it was almost uh, euphoric, if you will. Yeah, that's no, that's crazy. And again, like I'm just picturing like you guys are in class, like before, you know, you wake up on that day and we're in peacetime. And by the time the day ends, it's like the country's at war. So yes. that's just I think that's incredibly powerful. And it's crazy that you were there at that exact moment. Um, kind of steered this back now towards real estate. Sorry about that. I didn't even expect to ask that, but I just found that super powerful. You know, back in like that 2005 timeframe, Tim, or even like later in 2016, as like you got more single family properties, like how did you kind of, I guess, cross that initial knowledge gap when it came to like learning about real estate and like cash flow and, and being like an investor, even just in single family homes at like that kind of that beginning part? Well, and quite honestly, well, I'll start back in like 2005. You know, um, there was a time when I was back for the Cabbage Brick course at Fort Rucker um, in Alabama that you know, I, I was getting into just what can I do to earn extra cash, right? So first I was looking into, you know, um, I think Seneca Pinicolazzo, who you had on earlier, said, you mentioned that he got, you know, he and I got hooked up with, with uh, Amway. It was actually called Quickstar. At that time, and you know, it was just neat because I've always been in that sales business, and I always felt like, hey, there's other ways we can make money, right? Um, so, getting that single family home in an enterprise was just another means to do that. And, and honestly, I just looked out like, what was there a good um, way to to do property manage? Who could property manage that in my in my absence, right? You know, get a good agent to help me out, right? And I know David Green talks about this, you know. In, the most recent years, I think in 2019, he published a book, The Long Distance Real Estate Investor. And that's about the core four, right? I didn't know it at the time, back in 2005, but he identified exactly what you really need, right? You need, you need that agent to look for deals for you. You need the lending institution where you, know, you, can, you know, can get the best bang for the buck of what you can apply for and get a loan for your property. And then also property management and, of course, a contractor, right? Well, that first property we bought was a new construction, so it wasn't that big of a deal for a contractor. But I knew when we left, we if I was going to go to Germany, which I did, you know, we needed to have a good property management company, and we we landed one there in Enterprise. Um, so it was almost like fire forget for a while, right? As long as we had good dialogue with that property management company, you know, and uh, was good with my lending institution, you know, we it was not that difficult to be in, in a single family home uh, rentals, long term rentals, right? Um, but, and then when we got into, uh, in California, we, and we bought our house again, it was a new construction. So we had to go out there and hunt for a deal. Um, we, we got when, in 2013, when the market was going back up from 2008, 2009 crash. And so market, the market in California was quite low still. And that was gone up like crazy here in 2021 and, uh, coming in 22. But it's, uh, I will tell you that it's, uh, it was, it was a blessing to get that house when we did. We lived in it about four years, and then we we moved up here to Washington. We rented out for two years uh, before I retired. And I'll tell you again, same thing. Get an agent who can you know get tenants for you, property management companies. So we landed tenants and we self managed even while we're up here until we sold it. So it wasn't that difficult though, Jesse. Really, to start just getting into a home and then rent it out really wasn't that difficult. But what I tell you is this year in 2021, when uh, when I heard about. Um, uh, ADPI, active duty passive income. Um, 
that group really got me knowledgeable on what we could do, not only single family space, but also the multifamily space. So with the multifamily habit, which you and I, you and I uh, met in, you know, and what uh, Tim Kelly and Adam LaVar is set up with is, 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 is really good. And I've learned a lot through that. But through that, I've also realized we got, you got to have credibility when you want to be able to do a syndication or a joint venture, right? So yeah, having 16 years of, of real estate investing only in like one or two single family properties is good, but I knew I needed to, I wanted to scale. I wanted to get a lot more property underneath my belt, build a portfolio of over a million dollars um, in assets so I can, so I can, you know, go to a team that says, hey, I've done this, I've been there, I know that I know what does work, and um, I got some money to prove it. So that's where I really wanted to scale. I had a goal this year of having 10 properties and, and actually got to 11. And I could have gotten 13, but I turned a couple down. Um, but it's, it's interesting. Once you get that jive flow, when you get that core four going, it's amazing how deals can just come to your lap. And, and then you have a decision on whether you want to go with them or not. But it's having that good relationship with your agent, your deal finder. Again, have a good relationship with your lending institution. And, uh, and again, with that property management company, because they will feed you deals. Um, so I'm really happy on the single family front. And then, of course, landed that JV deal in, in Tennessee with some other folks in our API group. So, yeah, I'm just stoked about it. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. And on the topic of, again, a good colleague of yours, Seneca Panacolaza, his, his home run quote in that episode was setting the right conditions early to allow you to scale later on, which when I think of the core four and what you're detailing right there, it's like hitting the nail on the head. Like you were doing that back, you know, in 2005 or, or just recently this year. I mean, it's so powerful. Having those right systems and processes is so crucial. I, I want to get your perspective on kind of like the transition piece. And I did this post on LinkedIn today. It's funny we're recording this. And people talk about this all the time. And I'm interested in what you think too. Like the concept of having a pension, you know, like depending on an outside entity like the government to pay you. Like let's, you know, 50 years from now, are we still going to have pensions? People are like asking those questions right now with like the debt ceiling and crazy stuff that's going on right now. You know, where will social security be decades from now. And I think like the power of passive income is so important because you're kind of taking your financial future, your retirement into your own hands, where now I'm going to pave the way for like my generation or my kids because I'm owning these properties and accruing this passive income. I mean, do you have any thoughts? And again, you've done 20 years, so you obviously have the pension and you have the passive income as well. But any thoughts on that? People out there who might be relying on just the pension and not building passive income on the side. No, absolutely. Um, well, I, first of all, I'll, I'll say to my military, my brother and sister out there, that it's it's vital to to start your military transition. I'll first talk to military transition folks and and about pensions, and, and then we'll jump over to, to non-military. But but first, uh, pensions are not always there like they used to be, right? So you know, in the military, they went to what's called now a blended retirement system um, as of like what 2018, you did opt in or opt out of that. Some people that are grandfathered in, like myself, you know, we started earlier, you know, before the BRS uh, came around. You know, we had the option to opt in or out, and um, I definitely <laughs> want to opt out of it because I think there's a better deal with that pension program. Uh, the aerospace company I work for now, you know, they stopped doing, you know, their, their pension program. So only grandfather folks, you know, that were in that company for so many years could still be part of that. But newer employees, they have to jump into now just using a 401k. So and the Army's kind of doing, the military's kind of doing that too with their PRS, or the blended retirement system. So um, it's really on you, right? So you have, it's, it's on you as, as the consumer, the investor, the, the employee, really, to figure out how do, what does your future look like? 
Um, and I know we're probably going to get into that too with you know formulating your why and what your end state looks like and vision. And I want to share that with you as well. But it's so important to figure out like, okay, what is my future going to look like? Am I going to be at this company, you know, uh, for 20 years? Is it worth me being in this company for 20 years? Are the benefits going to be there? And then you never know, you know, the, the company can lay you off. And it's not just because of your fault. Sometimes it's because the company goes, you know, has to be lean, leaned out because of economic conditions, because of COVID. You don't, you don't know what's going to come in the future. So it really makes, it puts the burden and responsibility on you as an employee to figure out what does your future look like. Um, for those that did, you know, does have the benefit of a pension, my recommendation is, uh, you know, leverage that pension to the best of your ability to, to live off that, right? My wife and I are strategizing that right now to figure out, like, we are going to live just strictly on my pension and uh, VA benefits um, and current passive income through military investing or crushing, uh, real estate investing. And just anything I do with a W-2, reinvest that into what I can have as residual income in the future. So you're talking, your podcast here, uh, Jesse, talks about wealth science, right? What's the science? What's the methodology? What's the procedure? What's the, 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 the um, I don't know you say the step the action drill. You're a chemical engineer, Tim. You're the chemical engineer. Not me. Mechanical engineer. Oh, mechanical, yes. Yeah. What's the recipe to, to, to come up with a concoction that brings you, you know, diversified streams of income to, 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 to bring about what I, like I said, in the, in the, what you said in the intro, $2,500 uh, $2, a month residual income every year. That's my goal. I want to reach that every year moving forward with different streams of income outside of the pension. Okay, outside of the VA benefits, um, because and I, you can do that through real estate. You can do that through, through single family. I recommend that. I recommend multifamily, joint venture syndication. I also recommend that through you can do consulting work um, in other businesses. You can look at Turo, renting out your vehicles. You know, uh, doing uh, like crypto investing and mining. Those are all things that I'm looking into doing or in, and currently doing that uh, help build on that residual income. But I think we all have to do that, whether you have a pension coming out of a a W-2 job or the military or not, you definitely have to have that plan moving forward. And, and then again, meet with other people that have that same mindset to do that. Um, there's plenty of people out there now, especially because of COVID, because it put, put people in their homes. People are getting creative. How do I make money, right? The government's not going to support me with a paycheck every month uh, through a stimulus check. It's not going to go on forever. So you got to figure out how you're going to make some money. And there's plenty of other people doing it. Um, so that's, that's the first recommendation, I guess, on on how I would recommend people retiring from the military or from your W-2 job, live on that pension and then do everything on another follow-on W-2 job to reinvest and how you can make more money in the future. Yeah, I think that's super powerful. Like I said, I, you know, it always comes up. It's like, or, you know, are we going to have social security or pension is going to be a thing? It's like, I tell everyone, and it's like my goal too. It's like, I want to control my own financial future. I'm not leaving it to an outside entity of if maybe they are going to have it, maybe they're not. And when I think of creating passive income through real estate, like that's one of the biggest whys of controlling my family's generational financial future. So I think that's super powerful. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I wanted to get your perspective also when I, I don't want to call you the, the wizard of the HELOC, but I, whenever I get HELOC questions, Tim, I'm not joking. I text you because you are, you know, this so well. And I just had someone reach out the other day. And again, it's funny we're recording this, but they said, Jesse, I would love to invest in real estate, but listen, I don't have any capital. And we started, you know, running ideas and we started talking. It's like, well, you own your house outright, don't you? And he's like, yeah, well, actually I do. And had no idea about the whole 
HELOC process, had never heard of it, had no idea. So I think there are people out there who are in that position of, I don't have any capital, but really they own their homes outright and could leverage this. So just for the audience and listeners, you know, you don't have to take 60 minutes because I know this could be an episode just in itself, but just from the macro level, Tim, can you walk through the process of the HELOC and maybe give an example of how you've leveraged it in your own life? Yeah, sure. Uh, I will tell you that um, uh, it was quite a learning experience uh, looking into what options are out there. Every every financial institution is willing to, to work with you, right? But again, given the financial, uh, I guess, lean times we have, some some financial institutions I found that I've used before at HELOC aren't doing it now um, or then when I apply. I think they've, they've come around just recently and opened up. But um, I will, I will, I'm not going to give this person... <laughs> Direct uh, recommendations yeah, on this yeah, yeah. line, but people can reach out to me directly for more specific information. And and I've already shared with some people in our uh, ADPI group, uh, you know, uh, the spreadsheet that I use. But there's there's about like two. I got um, 22 different different criteria that I use, right? So when I'm looking at a financial institution, what is combined loan to value that that institution is going to do? They'll do 80 percent. They'll do 90%. Some will do even up to 100% combined loan to value. That's your first mortgage and that gap between what the value of your home is and, and what that first mortgage is. So that, that equity in there is, is what you can use a HELOC for or a, uh, a, a, a basically a home equity loan just in general instead of a line of credit. So those terms vary. So when you're looking at, at institutions, you definitely want to take a look at you know, that combined loan to value ratio their APR, of course, usually which is variable on a, on a uh, HELOC versus just a regular kind of uh, home loan um, on that equity. And of course, you know, sometimes it's based on your FICO score, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you look at your, your credit history, not necessarily what your score is currently, because they know you're probably going to put some of that debt into the leverage equity and the equity of the home equity loan. And then the draw period, the repayment period, if it's interest only. And so if you're looking at someone like, and if you're going to reinvest and use that property, or that the equity in your home, in your primary residence, and again, primarily your home HELOC can be used on a primary residence or your secondary home, depending on the institution. They'll do that. Very rarely, they'll do something like your investment properties, but you got to look at your primary residence. Like what is the value that you currently have in that home you own and you live in? So, uh, but again, if I'm going to take that equity and reinvest into something else, I don't want to pay a tons of like principal and interest. If I got to have a a draw period of 10 years and a repayment period of 10 to 15 years, you know, how long am I going to have that investment property that I'm put, using that money to put down against or, or leverage into a joint venture or a syndication, right? So if you can get an interest only repayment during your draw period, that's outstanding. And so that's what I recommend when people are looking at these e-logs. And there's a bunch more you can look at, but uh, basically those are the big, the big things I would say that you definitely want to compare apples to apples when you're looking at financial institutions being at banks or credit unions. And you will probably more have successful uh, results with local credit unions than you will banks. My recommendation. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And probably more of a novice question now. What, what decides if we can, if like um, applicable to get interest only loans? Like, is it based on prior credit score? What what else kind of goes into that? Or is it, it kind of like what you hinted to more based on the financial institution? It really is on the financial institution. So and it, they vary so much. I, you know, the spreadsheet I'm looking at, I, I have like they'll have those 22 criteria. I only mentioned a few, um, but some of these, you know, have a, a, a you know, a, a seasoning period. If you have to live in your house 12 months, some of them you have to be in like one day, and they'll, they'll, as long as there's equity in the house, you, you can take a HELOC out. Um, but to, to, when I look at all these different ones, I got 15 that I'm comparing here to, 
if you look at interest only, it's sometimes it's not really based on your FICO score. Again, it depends on the financial institution, but typically they lay it down. They'll, they'll say it's going to be just interest only. It's going to be a certain dollar amount per one thousand dollars, a certain amount of, you know per one hundred dollars. Um, but for instance, you know, one time I had a HELOC with eighty thousand uh, dollar line of credit, and I had to pay eight hundred eighty dollars a month on that line if I if I fully maxed it out, and I did at, at that point. Um, for the for the interest I had at that time, and it, you know, eight hundred eighty dollars is quite a bit. But some of these with only a four and a quarter, or four and three quarter, or even three and a quarter on fifty thousand is is very minimal. It's under two hundred bucks, like maybe a hundred bucks. So I mean, that's really good when you're trying to leverage and pull maybe put into something that you can get it with cash on cash return of of greater than that per month. So it's that delta. If you're going to make five hundred dollars a month on that property investing, but you're your loan is only going to pay eight hundred dollars. You get a four hundred dollar cash flow, right? So you can take that cash flow, put it back into your HELOC, and pay it off, and then you know just do it again. It's great. Yeah, it's it's powerful. And like I said, so many people have reached out just in the last month. Whenever I get HELOC questions, I always run them by you and get your thoughts because I know you've got these incredible these incredible spreadsheets. Um, but it is interesting, and I agree with you. I think a big piece of it is kind of doing your research with the financial institution and, and reaching out to these people and getting their thoughts on what their criteria is and what you could be applicable for. So I think that's super powerful. So I appreciate that. I kind of wanted to steer this a little bit back to kind of where you've scaled here in the last 12 months, because when I look at your growth, and I think you and I got on our first phone call probably probably right around 12 months ago, or maybe early 2021, like to watch where you've grown over these past 12 months has been really something incredible to watch. And I think anybody out there can really do what you have done. You know, I'm interested when you kind of had that initial vision of moving from the single family space to commercial real estate, that's a big jump. And a lot of people have issues with conceptualizing that jump and, and what goes into that. So I guess, how did you kind of crush those limiting beliefs over these past couple months of that you could be Tim Krams who owns apartment buildings and not just Tim Krams who owns single family homes? Well, first of all, well, thanks, Jesse, for that. But I have to I have to say that it's not just Tim Cram, right? It's, it's a team effort. It's a team sport when you're definitely doing uh, multifamily. And uh, I got to get a lot of credit to, to all those folks ahead of me in, in ADPI. And then, of course, you know, uh, Seneca Finicolazzo, who, who <laughs> motivated me to get into multifamily space because I, I didn't know much about it. And I saw him scale the same way that I did this year, this the year prior, especially in the single family home space and then jumping into uh, the multifamily. Um, but, you know, it's, it's talking, you know, once I got connected, I was realizing that there's a lot of people doing this. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. I would say there's a niche of people that are doing it. And those that are doing it, it, it takes time. So speaking with the other two, we just talked about earlier, you, you had about, you know, what, 11 podcasts already published with Wealth Science. And I've listened to them all. The most recent I was listening to was uh, by Ryan Neris and uh, uh, Bo Wiltshire, both, you know, passionate about the mobile home park space. And you and I have been talking about that. And, you know, listen to what they say. I mean, some of them are taking like 10 years to get where they're at. So, I mean, you and I are starting this out just recently, right? Yeah. You're doing great stuff with the podcast, you know, and I, I adore you for that. Um, but it's getting your name out there, getting out how you can partner with other people to do things, and then following other people who have excelled, right? So, you know, I'm just taking recipes for success that other people have used and have been successful at. I'm just following their trades. Um, it's not just, you know, I come up with some unique idea. You know, I'm literally just taking the due diligence to, to network, to find out what other people are doing just like you are with podcasting. 
and you're meeting so many new people doing this. And, and if you just get into mastermind groups and expand your, your, your social aperture and your appetite uh, to grow, I, there's so much you can learn. So, you know, I, 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 I appreciate you saying, hey, those, those can be like, you know, Tim Cram's, you know, moving forward. But all I'm going to say is like, look at all, look at bigger pockets, look at join a mastermind like ADPI from the military or post-military and, and other ones out there. There's, there's plenty that you can just grow on and listen to to expand your knowledge. So that's my recommendation. Um, but my second recommendation would be, you know, dig into a niche market. I would recommend if you haven't done a single family, at least get one single family home under, use those core four. And then when you jump to uh, multifamily, uh, find out what other people are being successful at, build some equity, build some credibility, put some skin in the game, not only with your, with your what value you can bring uh, for what you learn, but also some money, right? So if you can bring some money to the game, right? Then, then the people are going to listen to you a little bit more, right? It's not the end all. It's sometimes people don't have the cash. Got it. Well, leverage the resources you have. Maybe you have equity in your home, in your the residence you live in. Maybe you have equity in your insurance policies. You can take loans out against your life insurance policies if they're, if they're uh, whole life policies. And it's great. There's so, there's so much you can tap into. If you just have the desire to do it, you'll find a way to make it happen. And I'm happy to help you out through that. Yeah, I, it's incredible. And I love that you brought the you know, bring up the idea of Brian Norris. And he said on our show that it took him three and a half years to close his first deal. And I think so many people are out there, Tim, who might look at the last 12 months. They might, you know, we're filming this in whatever, the last week of 2021. They might look back on 2021 and be like, did I really do that much? Did I really gain that much traction? But I think in reality, this game is a long-term game. It takes years to build true wealth. Like you were saying before, what is the systematic science scientific process to wealth. And it's like, this isn't a short game. No one here is starting on Monday and living in the Caribbean on Friday. You know, that is not how true wealth is built. And I think so many people, when they look at the surface results, they're like, man, I didn't do anything this year, but it's like, yeah, you did. Like you guys look at all the amazing connections you built, all the amazing relationships that are going to blossom over the next 12 months. Um, I think that's super powerful. And I'm, I'm glad you've kind of laid that out also of how you've kind of you know, grown and, and how your journey has kind of blossomed over 2021. You know, I'm, I'm interested, like when it comes to your clearly defined why, when you look at wealth and what you see, the future generational, you know, wealth of your family and, you know, how do you come to that clearly defined why? And I guess, what does that kind of vision look like? Yeah, no, great question. Um, and I, and I kind of built out my, uh, some some goals here because I think it's it's so important to, to identify you know what drives you and what what motivates you just as much as you're when you're going to a joint venture right or you know you go into a syndication you're trying to be like a, a general partner and, and bring value to the team you got to figure out like what is that that really motivates you what is that that uh, you feel passionate about right so um you know when I look at when I look at what defining why, I think it's so important to identify that. I really struggled with that this year. And I struggle with it because in many ways, when I'm going to my W-2 job and, I, and there's people in the military doing the same thing, but now that I'm out and I'm working for um, like an aerospace company and I really enjoy doing that work, I sometimes I would just drive in and like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Why am I working for a W-2 when I really want to do it might be an entrepreneur, right? Well, you can do both. Right. But I do think you got to have an exit strategy and you have to understand, like, what do you really want? What drives you the most? And to me, it's I want to have autonomy to be able to have um, to make impact. 
And I, and I really looked at that more. And I, I, I told myself, my wife and I are going to nest and we're going to figure out and fully define our why, our vision, our end state and goals for the next one, two, five and 10 years. And I already outlined it. And I'm going to share that with you. You know, after this episode, we're going to dive deep into this more because I, I think we're going to have a follow-on episode. I really want to focus just on this. Um, it's so important. The vision that I want to have is to live a fulfilled life of abundance, freedom, and servitude, really impact, right? And with that impact, right, I want to surround myself with like-minded people, just like what you're doing now with the podcast. By having that, by, by, by making the impact, I want to see, like, how can I do that in real estate? How can I do that with providing affordable income or affordable um, housing for, for maybe lower income personnel that just had some, some low blows in life, right? How can I benefit them? How can I live abundantly to be able to live and give? That is what I really want to do. And so that defines my why. But how? Do, but then it comes down to how I want to do that. Real estate is one. And, and I think it's, it's a great way to be able to, to benefit your community. And it's a great way to benefit, you know, with some lower, uh, lower income personnel that just, like I said, has some low blows in life. But again, living abundantly, living wealth, living in wealth. I think believes it, it comes in five pillars, financial ability to, like I said, live and give, uh, physical, being healthy. If you don't have health and you die, what the good is it, right? So, and then spiritual relationship with God. I, I think we all have to have a deeper sense of purpose in our life. I think we're put on earth here to really find out what that purpose is and what our, what our creator gave us to do, right? And our journey in life is to find that out and be able to bless other people in doing so. And then socially as well, with family and friends, having that network, having strong family roots, and then producing children to live on the legacy, right? And then emotional. If you don't have emotional well-being, you can't relate, you can't have good physical, and you really can't build good financial as well. So those five pillars are very important as far as that defining that abundance in my vision or why statement. And then freedom. Freedom from the fear of the unknown, living on purpose, hopeful expectation, unproductive debt. Everything that you're obligated to has to be productive. It's not just a liability, it's an asset. It's making money for you. Right. And then free from excessive government overreach and taxation. So building those corporate structures, your LLCs and, you know, every enti business entity you're in, you're, you're, you're spending first and, and taxing later. Right. So everything you're, you're not spending toward your business, you're getting taxed on the backside. So living that more entrepreneurial spirit and, and lifestyle is, is the way to go. And definitely recommend getting your lawyer involved to figure out how to best do that. Right. Your tax return and things like that. But again, abundance, freedom and impact. Those are the things that really define my why. And uh and we can go in that with a different episode, but that's yeah. that's what we're really moving forward. Yeah, we we say it on here all the time. It's don't might as well be on a billboard somewhere. But wealth is so much more than numbers in a bank account. It's it's the things you just listed off right there. It's you know what are we doing to make a difference? What are we doing to make an impact? You know, if we're here just making money, it's it's not the right it's not the right vision. It's not gonna it's not gonna help anyone. You know what I mean? It's it's so much more powerful than that. So yeah, I, that's incredible. I I. I just have one last question for you before we get ready to wrap up here. We're getting close to kind of our, our time, but uh, you know, when, on the concept of family, Tim, it's like, it's something that I struggle with too. And like, I was just having a conversation with my wife about this today, like finding that work life balance. It is, it is difficult. It is, it is a, an amazing challenge of an entrepreneur. And there are so many great entrepreneurs out there, Tim, that have gotten to the finish line without their families. And it's, yep. it's tough to see that. And it's like, in my eyes, I would be, I would say I could have the, all the money in the world, but if I get to the finish line, my family's not there. 
I'm a failure in my eyes, at least. I mean, in a, I think you're in a unique situation where you do have the W-2 and you're also an entrepreneur on the side. I mean, what's your advice out there, you know, for me and for other people out there and finding that right work-life balance when it comes to being an entrepreneur? Well, you know, finding that work-life balance, I will tell you, it starts with um, what I believe uh, my career coach, Mike Schindler, has uh, said, and, and it's really finding out what's your ideal What's your ideal year look like, right? What's 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 what does that ideal year look like? And if you don't have family as part of that, you're really going to be lonely, right? And he helped me through the, the clarity tool that he uses and finding out what my superpower is to to, to give to the world and my community and what the ideal client would be as far as you know uh, where I would want to work and invest my efforts. And I will tell you, you know, with that clarity tool really outlined with the value set that I have and that I that I hold dear to my heart. And part of that is is just my family. It really is. I, I I have found that you know without the support of my wife and my kids, you know, to do what I do in the military and what I did in the military and then what I do on a daily basis now, I just wouldn't have as much meaning or purpose as I do and drive, if you will. I want to leave a legacy, you know, and I and, and in order to do that, you have to prioritize building that family and social network in your community, but definitely with your family. They are the backbone of what you should be living for or what's the I live for. So that work-life balance, right, of defining, you know, what, what can I do to invest in my family and what can I do to invest in my job to really invest in my future, right? Because you're investing in your future financially to support your family and to support your, your legacy, if you will. But if you want that, if you, if you really want to carry that legacy on not only financially, but also I guess emotionally, spiritually, and socially, you got to invest in your family, dedicate time, allocate time to invest in them as well. That does take financial investment, but it's time investment as well. So, you know, I found that, you know, what he, you know, with this, what he titles is, is Buco right now with all the volatility, uncertainty, confusion, and ambiguity. You can also turn that around to vision and understanding, clarity and uh, adaptability. So that VUCA principle, he's gonna have a book coming out here shortly as well as a movie in March, I definitely recommend it. But you know, that work-life balance does start with getting some good coaching and mentorship and uh, Mike Schindler will help me out with that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that perspective. And again, in, in my eyes, and it's uh, my just my two cent perspective, it's like, if all we're doing is working and we're not, as you said, investing in our family and not just, you know, time, but financial investment, you know, whatever, if every penny that's made is just going back into the business. It's like, what are we doing at the end of the day? You know, the, the why it has to be bigger, like we said, than the bottom line, it has to be, you know, it has to be about our family um, and making an impact. So I, I appreciate that perspective. It's something that I'm far from perfect on, but it's something I'm, I'm working on every single day. And it's a, a big goal for me in 2022. So Tim, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on today, giving us your perspective. Again, I think this story, and I'm not joking when I say this, I think it is super relatable to so many people out there who have been in your position. And um, I just have one very last question for you. Um, Tim Krams is living the perfect life. What does it look like? Yeah, I, I, I know you asked this question. <laughs> and you've listened time. to every every single episode, so <laughs> I hope you have something planned out. But. No, well, I do. But you know what? It really comes down to, like what I defined earlier, quite honestly, it's, it's living that life of, of abundance. Yeah, yeah. You know, it really is. You know, as long and I, I don't, I, I don't want to define this by numbers, right? I, I mean, I do because I have a ten-year goal. Say by twenty thirty, I want to be living on twenty k a month on passive income. All right. Yeah, I think that's. 
that's fair. I think it's, it's, we were like, holy crap, that's a lot of money. You know, and other people are like, they're making a million dollars a year, right? I mean, 20K a month, come on. So I think it's, if you can put numbers to it, I think you got to have that as goals. But I, I really define that, that perfect life as capacity. What, what, how am I living my life enjoyable to do what I really want to do? I want to live on a lake. I want to be able to be nested in my community. I want to be able to pay a, a, a church salary member's income of $1,000 a year as a tax write-off. I mean, those are some goals that I have, right? But living that life of abundance, freedom, and impact. And, and how I do that, you know, the, the, the truth is out there and the future will be defined. But as long as I'm doing that, Jesse, you know, that's what I, that's it. But, you know, the second one of that would be, if I could give back 20 years and be as young as Jesse Fuchsia, that's what I would do. <laughs> if he could be 26 years old, launching a podcast, raising millions of dollars, Tim yeah. Prams, mic drop. That's a wrap, folks. I, yeah. I appreciate you coming on, Tim, seriously. I want people to reach out to you again. I think this story, you know, it can help a lot of people out there. I mean, if, you know, someone listens, they want to reach out to you, Tim, what are the best platforms to kind of reach you on and if they want to follow up with you after the show? Yeah, 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 great. You know, I did talk about corporate entities. You know, I, I started uh, my own business called Talent Capital Enterprises. It's a uh, C-Corp here in Washington State. But, you know, I, I've yet to build that website. It will be coming this year. Um, but you can reach me at timothy.crams at talentcapitalenterprises.com um, or my Gmail account. Same thing, timothy.crams at uh, Gmail. Um, but then also LinkedIn is also uh, my latest profile. So look me up there as well. Awesome. Tim, I, I seriously, I cannot thank you. For someone who's never uh, been a guest before on a podcast, I had absolutely no idea. I mean, you crushed this today. So I appreciate you coming on, adding as much value as you have. And and thank you again. And like I said, your story, when I think back to that day, you know, September 11th, of where it started in that classroom and just the, you know, different twists and turns it's taken to get us where we are today. It's, it's a really powerful story. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing it. You bet, Jesse. Happy to do it again. Thanks, Tim. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening and we will see you next week.